0: You know, realizing what we carry from the past forward can affect the way that we feel and deal with things now. Um, it was revolutionary for me. <laughs> it changed. It not only changed my life generally, but just how I am with my disability, and mm-hmm. it really has helped me accept. Because then, going forward, you know, I've done a lot more since that that retreat. Um, mm-hmm. In, in terms of therapy and mindfulness and, and, and things like that. And, you know, it's really has helped me to accept who I am and what, what, I, what I have to give back to the world. And um, I want, I want to, to try, you know, and help people um, in the same kind of way as well. You
1: are listening to the She Is A VIP podcast. This is a show created for women living with or caring for someone who is visually impaired. The She Is A VIP community is made up of women who believe that their VIP status stretches far beyond their visual impairment. We are a community who understand that we are very important people who hold a very important place in the world and that we have a very important purpose to fulfil. I'm Bambi French, and if you are ready to shine a light on your status as a VIP, download, subscribe, and join me each and every week for the encouragement and inspiration you need to help you step into all that you have been created to be. Hi, it's Bambi, and welcome to this episode of the She is a VIP podcast. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And if you are new here, here's what you need to know. She is a VIP is all about inspiring, encouraging and empowering blind and visually impaired women to see and believe in the possibilities and potential that lies beyond the limitation of sight loss. This podcast each week aims to bring the conversation and information that is intended to enhance the personal development and mindset of the women in this community so that they feel equipped and able to pursue their purpose. If you are listening to this episode and you feel that this is a mission that you want to be part of, head over to the website sheisavip.com where you can find information on how to get involved in the Facebook community, sign up to receive the weekly email and find out more about the coaching packages that are on offer by booking a free discovery call. This week Nina Chetsworth joins me on the podcast and brings us her story and experience of growing up with a visual impairment, how she navigated education, how she came to accept that her disability is part of who she is, and developing a strong mindset that has helped her make progress. Before we get started, here's what you need to know about Nina. Nina is a blind therapist. She retrained as a massage therapist and facilitator after losing her right eye and the remaining sight in her left eye. Nina has had a visual impairment since two years of age and later lost a sight due to two accidents. Through her own recovery journey, she developed a love for holistic practice and a passion for helping others. After running several other biz- businesses within the creative and hospitality industry, she began her new journey with Five Senses Therapy. This is a celebration of Nina's learning from her sight loss and is a place for women to connect with their well-being and to begin their own journeys. Let's get into today's episode. Hi Nina, welcome to the She's a VIP podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And we're both we're both in England and we've both been talking about like the weather, haven't we, and the crazy and the crazy storms, I think you've had it worse than worse than we have
0: up here in Durham, haven't you? Yeah, it's quite mental at the moment. The, the wind, uh, I think it's like 60 miles an hour. <laughs> I know, I know. But that's that's the UK weather, isn't it? And
1: then that's what we yeah. do in the UK, we talk about the weather a lot. So, yeah, we've yeah, just had... Especially up north. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've just had that conversation. So before we get started and just, you know, have a chat about all things... Blindness, visual impairment, being a woman—all of that kind of thing. Do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us about you and who you are, what you do, those kind of things?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, as you said, my name's Nina. Um, I was born and bred in Manchester. I developed a sight condition uh, when I was two years old. Um, I caught the flu virus, and it attacked my eyes and left me with different kind of problems I they didn't really have a condition for it 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 wasn't a genetic condition it wasn't anything that they could say well this is what it is you know a definitive answer Um, there was just different things that had happened because the the virus burnt itself out and left me with problems with my cornea my lens I had cataract I think the closest they could get to it was chronic uveitis. So, yeah, so from the age of two, you know, I had surgeries as a young child to try and fix the the site. Um, And then, really, the first one that I remember, you know, I went to a specialized primary school for uh, VI children. Um, And that was great because. You know, everybody in the school was uh, the same as me, I suppose, Um, we're all different, varied levels of sight. And um, there was about five or six in a class. So we got a lot of attention and support. Um, And that was wonderful. So as a child, my sight really wasn't too much of a, a thing. And then when I got to 11, And it was time for high school. Um, Obviously, as you do, you know, as a teenage girl, you don't want to be different to anybody else. You don't want to stand out so much. Um, You want to do what everyone else is doing. And I wanted to go to the high school that my uh, family were at. So my cousins were already there. And my sister was, um, she's 18 months younger than me. So she was going to go there. So we were supposed to go to to a high school that had a VI department Mm -hmm. um, in Manchester, um, but I stood my ground and dug my heels in (laughs) as as, um, I suppose a stubborn teenager would at the time. And um, when I I said, no, I want to go to this this mainstream high school um, where my family will be. And, you know, at the time that was a decision made out of um, I suppose vanity rather than um, functionality mm-hmm. you know because looking back at it now obviously as an adult I wish I'd have gone to the school with the VI department because I was the first visually impaired disabled pupil at that school so the teachers didn't really know what to do to support me and um, obviously the other students I'd never met anybody with a visual impairment. So mm-hmm. I kind of mm-hmm. stuck out a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I got support from the, you know, the council, they came in and done assessments and I got the magnifiers and mm-hmm. um, I had everything blown up into large print mm-hmm. because throughout my life, my sight's always been up and down. So because of the corneal problems, I used to get foggy vision. Um when the cornea wasn't functioning um and then i was I'm, i was very short sighted um so I had to have large print magnification always sat at the front of the class um so yeah, so it kind of through high school was a bit of a challenge yeah. um and then I was determined though see I was thinking about this I was thinking about what I was going to speak to you about and stuff as well and obviously your audience and um I went on to college and then on to university to study art and design Mm and because through high school it was the art class where I kind of found that sanctuary Mm -hmm. creativity was somewhere that I could go and escape and I wasn't I didn't need to use magnification, you know, I didn't need to use a magnifier in art. Yeah. Um, so it was somewhere that I felt, you know, quote, normal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, um, somewhere where I could just escape from it all. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of, I I love that so much that I wanted to carry on that through my life. So that, that's the kind of career path I chose. Mm Um, just on your just
1: education
0: because um, you say you went to
1: like the special specialist primary school um mm-hmm. prim- um and then you you wanted to go to a mainstream school because because your family were there which is a valid reason for wanting to go you know you're mm-hmm. 11 years old that's what you want to do is go where you where you know people when you think about the two um the two experiences with the specialist primary and then the mainstream secondary. <clears throat> How do you, do you, I mean, I think you said you, you wish you'd gone to a, a specialist school. Why do you think that that would have been better?
0: I think there would have just been more understanding and support, um, not only from the teachers and the staff but from the students as well.
1: Um, I think because I
0: think we're very I think we
1: must be very close in age I'm like I was born like 1980 so I'm mm -hmm. like 41 and I often think about my my journey through school like I was only diagnosed when I was in secondary school and really I only my my sight difficulties only started around the age of 10 or 11 so I'd already transitioned into into secondary school and I often think what would have what would it have been like if I'd gone to a specialist school because like you i I was surrounded by teachers who I, I, they did their best, but it yeah. wasn't it wasn't great. do you know there were a lot of things that I know I missed or that because mm-hmm. I couldn't see like like you, I got help from from the council, I got magnifiers, I got someone coming into some of my lessons to take notes, but I think there was something missing in mm-hmm. the way in which I was taught. And and what I was able to receive and uh, and eventually achieve at school because I wasn't in that in that specialist environment where, like
0: you say, everybody just gets gets it. Yeah, for sure, definitely. I, you know, and I, I carried that all the way through to university level as well mm-hmm. um, because I, you know, I was determined. To be in this creative industry, I was determined to go to university. I wanted the ex, you know mm-hmm. the life experience of being at university. I wanted to, um, again, that kind of drive. You know, to be around people who, again, inverted commas normal and mm-hmm. because I not only you know with the education I struggled with acceptance of my sight condition. Yeah um I spent my entire life fighting against it and trying to prove a point as opposed to the world and to myself that even though I can't see properly I can do it mm-hmm. I don't need help I can do it without that I can do it despite that rather yeah. than um you know <clears throat> accepting this is who I am this is what I have to do this is what will help me achieve more um because I think at the time it wasn't a case of achieving the best it was just a case of getting there and doing it Mm. um and that meant me not really standing up and asking for that help and that support that might have been there if I'd asked for it um I mean like you, you know, the teachers weren't very aware and you know, and as I said, that went right through college into university mm-hmm. but i th- I guess i wouldn't have I wouldn't have known you know I did ask for help in, at, at certain times, but then um other times i didn't, and I could have achieved a lot more if i'd asked for that support. I do know that now, looking back
1: yeah Um, I'm exactly the same I know exactly what you're saying around the acceptance piece where you just want to be like everyone else mm -hmm. and it's that drive to want to be like everyone else and say yeah I can do it and I don't need help stops us from that that it's that part that stops us from being able to advocate for ourselves and and be able to say actually I need I really need help with this so there's so many so many of us I mean, we're talking to the, the, you know women in this in this community, but men and women who who have you know a, a, a difficulty might not even be a visual impairment; it might be something something else. Who who don't accept, who who haven't come to that place of acceptance of their limitation for themselves. So then that stops them from asking for help. Then that stops them from making the progress that they can make. Yeah. So it yeah. kind of all starts with with us you know yeah. in us to be able to to be able to accept like you know I'm just like you and it and it, like you say it's like it's a journey it takes time to kind of get to that realization that actually uh, yeah
0: yeah I, I
1: need to kind of I, I mean
0: know. to be honest though I wish it hadn't took as long like <laughs> yeah. you said yeah. I'm, I was born in 82 so I'm 40 this year so I'm kind of like <laughs> I wish it had not took quite as long to get to this know. realization and for myself you know it took me losing my sight completely Mm -hmm. for me to realize that that acceptance is so important Mm -hmm. um you know even still I lost my right eye in 2009 Mm -hmm. and so 13 years ago in an um, I had an accident at work and I lost the right eye um and even then you know even after going through all of that trauma so the year before I lost the eye I'd had corneal surgery in Moorfields and it was pioneering it was the first time it was done and they used um, immunosuppressants alongside the the corneal graft Mm -hmm. and because my body by that point I'd already had four corneal grafts two lens transplants and cataract surgery um, so up until that point my body kept rejecting the cornea mm-hmm. so I'd get this clear of sight for about a year and then my, the cornea would reject, reject and then the vision became foggy again mm-hmm. um, so I, I decided to do this this pioneering surgery and it was amazing I could read a newspaper for the first time in my life without a magnifier mm-hmm. and you know how small newspaper writing yeah. is well, oh, yeah. Um so, you know, it, I, I was kind of finally I thought, wow, I'm finally in a place now I can see. I've got great mm-hmm. vision. I, you know, I'm going to conquer the world now I can <laughs> see you properly. Mm-hmm. Um still really hadn't accepted my disability and accepted mm-hmm. that I was still visually impaired. Um and I think I mean, I'm not a, I'm not, I really, I'm not a religious person. I was brought up a Catholic, but I'm more of a a kind of, well, now I'm more universe kind of spiritual, Mm -hmm. Um, because I do believe that there was something there. There was another power, whether it's universe, God, I don't know, but something that was, you know, right we need to sort this out you need to accept who you are and I know it seems a bit drastic and I'm not saying everybody has to go through you know trauma to accept or to to create change but um that first time I say this quite loosely because that first time when I lost that right eye after that successful surgery and everything because I still had the sight in the left eye um you know I was I think it made me a little bit more pig-headed and <laughs> I was still yeah. determined to like right well now I'm I'm definitely going to prove that I can do it even now I've only got one eye it yeah.
1: was a you know
0: it was a, it was a hard journey it was very difficult um I thought creativity was off the cards um it was my auntie who took me to a jewellery making class um basically not forced me but convinced me to try it out Mm-hmm. and I had a desktop magnifier you know those like ones that look yes. like um a monitor with the camera yes. on the top yeah so I had one of them and um apologies one second sorry my phone is just ringing and it's okay. connected to the macbook sorry that's all right sorry everybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so I done the um i had done the jewelry course using this magnification and then that enabled me to make jewelry using this magnification so i you know the little Mm. fiddly wires and the clasps, and so i was able to do that under the magnifier so that gave me my confidence back so having that piece of technology you know it gave me that confidence then to get back into creativity um the so tech is I, now isn't it the
1: tech is like really yeah
0: so much
1: better than it than it, than it was when yeah we, uh, I
0: remember sitting there doing this and making my jewelry yeah. and thinking why did I not have this at university why exactly. did I not have this
1: in college is exactly what is exactly what goes through my head is when I when I have the new the new tech now I mean even just like the the you know the the tablets and the way that you can enlarge things now without the, the big yeah. CCTVs, you know I just think, yeah goodness me you know if this if this had been around then mm-hmm. the stress on reading wouldn't have been so much or mm-hmm. you know because even things enlarged from a4
0: onto onto a3 that really actually didn't solve the problem as well um. <laughs> It was I remember <laughs> being in my, my GCSE like in the exam like yeah. in the sports hall and you've got this tiny little desk and uh-huh. this big A3 piece of paper oh. and you folded it in half and then you Absolutely. fold it in half, yeah. and it yeah. takes yeah. up half the time just to yeah. fold the bloody just papers. To fold it,
1: fold the papers <laughs> I know I think I had like four desks I think I had four of those little desks they gave me four so I was like spread out and then you know one's watching as as because you've yeah. got everything and everyone you're leaving everyone's leaving the room and you're still there with all your these massive sheets of paper i know yeah. but it has changed it has changed a lot a lot since then but i'm sure yeah. there's many visually impaired kids who were around our age who will absolutely relate to that just say yeah that was that, that's, yeah. What, that's what happened to us too but um yeah. the tech is definitely moving moving towards really helping i mean it's a cost, you know, they are it is really yeah. it's not it's not cheap. But the yeah. fact is, the fact that it's becoming more available is good.
0: But that's the thing, I think because it is becoming more available, it is making it cheaper, you know. Yeah. I remember so when um, I lost my second like that. I lost the retina in the left eye. Um, so three nearly coming up to four years ago now as well. So when I lost the right eye, I set up a jewellery business. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I wanted to take that a step further and because creativity gave me that confidence that hope that joy back I then wanted to bring that to other people Mm -hmm. and um, create a space where other people could come Mm -hmm. escape the world for an hour or two have a lovely coffee and a cake get you know get lost in creativity doing a little project and uh, so I opened a, ca- a creative craft cafe in Manchester um, and, you know, again, I emerged myself in the philosophy of I need to prove to the world and to myself that I can do this on my own. I need to prove that I can do this despite my sight, I, you know. I'm going to prove to everybody and I literally ran the business myself. I was the PR, HR, marketing, front, house front, cook, yeah. party planner. Every, like, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, I had a two or three staff, but um, I ran the business and ran it without acceptance again, which yeah. pushed more pressure onto me mm-hmm. and put more challenges in my way um that didn't necessarily have to be there you know I I created a lot of that for myself and I know that now um but because of that I was rushing around a lot I was trying to do everything at once and because I only had the left eye and the sight in the left eye was very poor Mm -hmm. um you know my depth perception was out for one Mm -hmm. you know I was still using magnification and everything but because the depth of perception was out, I was rushing this one morning um, trying to do payroll, get my son ready for school. And um, we were having a bit of a clear out in our house and, and there was lots of bags and everything just left um, to clear out. And instead of moving the bags out of the way and being sensible, um, knowing that, you know, my sight wasn't the best, mm. I, because I was rushing, I just climbed over them all bent down to get something out of my briefcase and as I did there was a broken TV on the table uh-huh. and I basically you know obviously because of the depth perception misjudged where how close I was to that TV and as I bent down I basically headbutted the corner of it and it
1: yeah.
0: um, caught the top of my eyeball and burst a hole in it um, okay. and I lost 95% of the retina Um this time though they managed to save the eye itself which when it happened, I knew straight away I'd lost the sight. Um, you know, within that split second, I knew it was gone because of what happened to the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the same same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew the sight had gone, but I was just determined you know, I just wanted them to save my eye because mm-hmm. in my head in that moment, all I kept thinking about was the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was silly, but I was just like technology is amazing like look at how far it's come for you now in your lifetime who knows what will happen in 20 years Mm -hmm. just save my eye you know I might be able to have a bionic eye (laughs) (laughs) just save my eye yeah um so I yeah so that you know that happened unfortunately you know I did lose the the sight I've still got about four percent of the the retina, I think so I have Mm -hmm. a little bit of light perception so I can kind of tell sometimes if it's, you know, bright. I can see mm-hmm. that there's some kind of light there. Um, so I, yeah, so from there, I then obviously was then having to adapt again to a different kind of technology. So going from using magnification and, and then all that kind of thing, I then had to use voiceover and screen readers and, Yeah. Um, and going through that loss again and that trauma again, and um, for the first time in my life, because after the loss of the first eye, the right eye, mm. I was still very determined and still very stubborn about it. You know, mm. well, I can still see, I can still do, I can still, um be like everybody else I still didn't accept mm-hmm. that I had this disability mm-hmm. um, and then when I lost the, the left sight in the left eye it was a kind of right well what are you gonna do now <laughs> <Yeah. You're
1: laughs> you kind of forced
0: forced to accept accept now <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah. I was definitely forced to accept
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but it was the best thing that's ever happened to me
1: yeah.
0: because you know up until that point as well and I'm you know there's part of me that feels a little bit of shame around that and I guess that's me putting that shame on but I I didn't even want to be a part of the community before Mm -hmm. because you know I thought that if I was friends with people who were like me then that would be me saying that I have a disability and Mm -hmm. um you know and you know looking back at it that was not the way to be at all
1: but it's a valid valid sort of feeling Uh, you know like you say the cycle of grief and loss it's like a you know you go round and round don't you 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 kind of ever I don't think you ever kind of get to the end of the cycle and say well that's it now yes I accept you you, Mm. something else happens and then you kind of go back back around it again yeah you know you're your thoughts of not wanting to be part of the community because you didn't want to be seen like you know as that as one of those people with disabilities is Mm -hmm. is not uncommon you know Mm -hmm. that's the whole like you say right from the beginning special school mainstream school there's a lot of people who who will not want to go to special schools because that is for specialist provisions because then they're Mm -hmm. seen as only only that or they can be seen as only that Mm -hmm. but what I'm learning is that it's, it, is a, it is a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. You can be part of the disabled disability community, you can be part of the visual impairment community, and you can be part of other communities as well. Mm-hmm. The, the world is a community. So the fact that we kind of split things up into this, this, these are the visually impaired people, these are the autistic people, these are the people who have ADHD, you know, that's necessary we need that we need to be with people who understand mm-hmm. but also being part of other communities as well is just as as enriching and we can be part of both
0: yeah definitely and I think as well like blending them all together you know yeah. mm-hmm. why can't there be a disabled LGBT you know plus why can't there be a disabled um, community of colour why can't you know Mm -hmm. like why Mm -hmm. can't we blend the two together as well and that's what I'm starting to realise as well and Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that I think I was always afraid of being pigeonholed as well Mm -hmm. you know and since losing my sight completely I'm kind of like well you're still not pigeonholing me but (laughs) Yeah I don't mind being a part of this community and and it doesn't just have to be a disabled community it no. can be a um, a holistic disabled community mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. be you know it is it's all about blending and and there's all been a, a community as one why does why do we have to be you know pigeonholed Separate. as well yeah, yeah exactly
1: but then that pigeonholing comes i suppose from us Yeah it, again, that, that idea of acceptance, once we get to, we get really comfortable with who we are as the visually impaired, you know, that's who, that's who we are, visually impaired, blind, you know, once we, yes, accept, once we get to come to that realization, well, this is, this is a limitation that I live with, but these are all of the other things that make me who I am then that means we can we can interact with those other the, those other communities we can we can speak up and we can say actually I deserve to be involved with this or I deserve to be involved with that whatever it whatever it might be um yeah but it's yeah it's, definitely. it's really starting with with us on that I wanted to you know when you when you you were growing up um you know your your psych condition started when you were two through through an illness but when you were growing up was there a point, and I asked this because there wasn't for me, so I'm asking mm-hmm. if you had this, was there a point at which somebody or a group of people really sat you down and said, right, this is what you need to be able to, um, I suppose, understand about yourself and be able to do in that sense of advocating for yourself and speaking up. Did you learn that? Was there any sort of specific kind of training, to help
0: you do that? No. It's a simple answer. No. (laughs) No. Mm -hmm. I remember my mum. My mum's amazing. My mum, she's been there for me throughout everything. Mm -hmm. But she also wrapped me in cotton wool to an extent Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, She also gave me... Strength because my mum did encourage me to go for the things that I wanted to go for and Mm -hmm. to be strong and to not let anybody you know tell you otherwise. Yeah. Um. So she 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 gave me them lessons, but she she never she or anybody else you know even when even at the specialist school, Mm -hmm. um. I don't remember any kind of advocacy or kind of like you know sitting down and saying right you're going to face this this is what you you know you need to be prepared for this is how um this will what will help you with that there was no kind of talk of mindfulness or you know awareness and all of them kind of things which again would have probably helped me with my acceptance yeah yeah I think Um, so at
1: the at that early age as well and not having to get to so get so so much older and then and then having to start to learn it
0: yeah yeah definitely no but I'm finding I that
1: even now even now it's that you know I work as a special needs coordinator in a, in a mainstream school and worked with special needs children for the last sort of 12-15 years and with the parents as well and it's it feels like it's the same story like mm-hmm. I'm looking at this this hasn't changed much since I was like you know nineteen ninety five. I'm like, have we? Mm. I mean, it's. I think it's happening a, a, a bit more, but mm-hmm. there's still a lot of girls, especially mm. that are in in mainstream secondaries where there's not if there's not a, if there's not a specialist unit, they're like the only one or there's one or mm. two two girls you know who are who are visually impaired and like you say, all they're trying to do is fit in, and that's all. Yeah. At that age is fitting you
0: that's yeah, all you yeah. Um, I think it, it starts with creating awareness doesn't it like yeah. um you know I think if my mum was a little bit more educated in, mm-hmm. in not only just like my condition but like in in what's available as well like yeah. Yeah. you know yeah technology wasn't the same as it is now then but you know there were other things that would have been available like other you know groups or the you know like charities providing social days out and things like that like I don't think my mum was ever told about all of them things and, I don't think
1: mine was either I don't know. yeah just,
0: so being a part like if, if mum had known about that then then maybe we could have got into the community a bit earlier and and then yeah. Had, so yeah I think just awareness about yeah. um what's available and but not just to us, but to the people around us as well. Around us as
1: well, yeah, and that's what I talk yeah. about. A lot of the, the people who are My, caring for people with vision yeah. impairment don't, don't know either. They're as, yeah. they're as you know, to coin a phrase, in, as well, in the dark as well. Yeah. Really <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they just yeah. don't know. Yeah,
0: still, I lost, still, um, when I lost the sight as well, so I, obviously I went through, you know, the grieving process um, through that loss, and then, I went on a retreat. It was a six-day uh, therapy retreat, um, mm. and it was it was intense. It was um, six days of um, different forms of therapy ritual, mm. and it was about going backwards and healing childhood wounds and connecting the dots and things like that. And but it was life changing for me
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: because I'd never done anything like that before as well, and. You know, realizing what we carry from the past forward mm-hmm. can affect the way that we feel and deal with things now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was revolutionary for me. <laughs> it changed. It not only changed my life generally, but just how I am with my disability, and mm-hmm. it really has helped me accept. Because then, going forward, you know, I've done a lot more since that that retreat. Um, mm-hmm. In, in terms of therapy and mindfulness and, and, and things like that. And, you know, it's really has helped me to accept who I am and what, what, I, what I have to give back to the world. And um, I want, I want to, to try, you know, and help people um, in the same kind of way as well. So like we were talking about creating awareness I went when I lost the site um I have a he's now 11 my son but at the time he was seven Mm -hmm. no six um and you know I I was always the one took him and picked him up from school um my husband works as well full-time so I I was the school runner um so all of a sudden dylan and dylan's friends at school you know they didn't see me at school anymore i wasn't taking him picking him up and then the you know when i did start when i had you know got that confidence back and um started going in with my uncle because at this point i still wasn't able to to go out alone um they you know they were seeing me linking somebody holding a white cane yeah. like the children you know it, it obviously confused them because they the last time they saw me I was walking um freely I suppose mm-hmm. is yeah. the way to say um, but so I you know Dylan then told me that the kids at school were asking um questions and he didn't really you know have the answers mm-hmm. so I spoke with the school and um went in and done a presentation uh, for Dylan and his class um well for the whole of Dylan's year actually and he absolutely loved it and <laughs> it it gave him an opportunity so it kind of took that pressure off him so they yeah. weren't asking him the questions anymore yeah. they got to ask me the questions so I, I basically done you know a little presentation told, told them um not in gory detail obviously but <laughs> told them what had happened yeah. and um you know, what the things that I use now to help me so i, I showed shown them all the different canes I had my rehabilitation officer with me okay. uh, so she brought all the, the canes and the gadgets and stuff yeah, to show yeah. um, and then all the kids got a chance to have a go at the liquid level indicator and mm-hmm. have a go at the talking calculator and, and then at the end they all got to ask questions and mm-hmm. it was amazing like kids just have no filter <laughs> it's no, great I love it
1: which is like, which is a good thing sometimes sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah I mean obviously to be prepared for it you know you know it I mean obviously I've got a kid myself so I know that they don't have a filter filters, yeah. but so I'm, you know but being prepared for that um yeah. but the, you know the, it wasn't horrible questions it was things like how do you get dressed yeah. um you know how do you walk down the street how do you how do you not get run over um yeah how what one child asked um about the bumps you know on the crossing what what are the bumps um and the cone underneath the um you know the cones underneath the crossing when when it spins yeah Uh, so they're asking all these questions and and I just stood there and I thought you know what this is so amazing because Mm -hmm. one this is the next generation and this is creating awareness and education two they're asking questions that adults would be quite, you know, I think would be quite fearful of asking was, in, in yeah. worry that they'll offend. Yeah. Um, and that's why there's that. I think there's a bit of a barrier to education and awareness because mm-hmm. we're kind of living in a society, you know, where we're, we, we walk on eggshells quite a bit sometimes, yeah. um, which then blocks that education and awareness, which then doesn't help people. You know, doesn't help in the long run because yeah. we need people to know so that we can get the support we need.
1: Absolutely, and and yeah, it just put me in mind of a conversation I had with um, Dave Steele a couple of episodes ago, where he was he was talking about the fact that you know there is that barrier to education that people, others, other people don't understand, but also those of us within the sight loss community we don't we don't necessarily help people understand as well like i said Mm -hmm. through not accepting who we are and Mm -hmm. and our difficulties then we we will not find a way of being able to tell other people because we're Mm -hmm. just trying to blend in but actually that that's not helping people understand and we can't just expect people to understand because you know they're not mind readers a lot of us a lot of us will walk in the street and in shops and things and it's not evident to them that we are that we have a, a disability it's not evident you know I don't I, I often say I don't at the moment although Dave has told me I must apply for one I don't have a cane <laughs> and mm. I don't you know I don't have a dog or anything like that but mm. you know, when, oh, I'm in yeah. shop, when I'm in the shops I, I, I will if I'm by myself I can't read like the labels the the price labels or the um the the description labels of the things so i'll get my phone out and i'll take a picture of them then i'll enlarge that on my phone yeah. <laughs> and then read it. i'll just think and i'll keep thinking to myself what do these people think i'm doing like taking pictures yeah. of the price labels and stuff but it's because i can't see them you know even yeah. I'm at eye level i can see the price but i can't read what's what the thing is yeah. um
0: so yeah, yeah. That, that was me that was me before I lost my sight mm-hmm. I used to do exactly the same thing or yeah. I had like a pocket uh hand magnifier hand as well uh, that I'd yeah. carry with me yeah, um, yeah but now like yeah now I'm definitely out there loud and proud as you say yeah. um yeah. and I don't mind people asking me I encourage it you know I, I remember walking to school one day as well and I've, I've got um a rainbow cane so mm-hmm. it's not it's a white cane it's a long cane but Mm -hmm. each section is a different color right Uh, because that was one of my biggest fears losing the ability to see color yeah Um, obviously with that creativity it's always something I've loved I've dyed my hair every color of the rainbow (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so my cane is like a rainbow so we were walking to school and this uh, little girl was like mommy mommy look at that look at the cane look, why, why you know like, dead excited because it's a rainbow cane yeah. but she also said why 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 has that lady got that why has that lady got that cane <laughs> um and I heard the mom going oh shush shush come on come on yeah. nothing nothing I'll tell you later I'll tell you later mm-hmm. and I, I kind of stopped and I went it's okay you know yeah you does she want to see it it's fine it's yeah. this is my you know this is my rainbow cane. this is yeah. this helps me walk and helps me see and I kind of thought I could have carried on walking and been like oh you know oh well you know she's <laughs> she's hushed a kid off and she's she's not but I, you know I thought no I have to stop and say something because I don't know what that mum's going to tell that child either mm-hmm. so we need to make sure that what she is being told is right and right. Um, you know and, and and it's fine like I, I'd rather have that bit of uncomfortableness and yeah. that the right thing be shared than than not so yeah and then I keep get, you know I get that a lot as well like you start get even now like I literally I am blind and I can't see but even now people go what you're blind and I'm like yeah <laughs> disabled,
1: yeah. I, yeah. I know. It's like, yeah, I really am. I'm not, yeah. I'm not faking it.
0: Yeah, I know, because I've since as well. And so I had to sell my cafe um because it was just it was just too difficult and too emotional at the time. Yeah. Every time I went into the building I just burst into tears. So it was just emotionally it was just too hard. So I sold up and um went on my journey. Of self discovery and healing. And I retrained as a manual and holistic therapist. So now I work from home. I have a garden treatment room Mm -hmm. and I've set up another business. And um, yeah, that's going well. I have regular clients that come now. And I'm just currently retraining again. I'm doing another training course to become a facilitator. so I want to provide programs um, which will include a variety of circle work and workshops such as um, yoga workshops or massage self-massage workshops Um, and I'm doing a pilot one with Esme's Umbrella um, which Mm -hmm. they will be funding for people living with Charles Bonnet syndrome Um, and That's going to be, as I said, a mixture of circle work, which is a kind of, um, so a bit like a support group in the sense of it's a community um, experience where we come together and share any kind of story or, you know, just share something that's stuck, that needs to be voiced. Yeah um in a in a safe brave space that there's no judgment or advice or it is just solely to to get things off off your chest in a way because again you know sometimes I think that is just so important just being able to just talk yeah and share without having advice as well because you know so many times I've especially since losing the site completely you know I'm I'm frustrated with the technology because it's not doing what I need it to do you know the voice isn't working or um, I can't find my kitchen gadget or you know just things like that and I'm getting frustrated and and my husband or my mom, or sisters on things like that and the heart's in the right place but you know they'll try and fix it they'll try and tell me how to make it yeah. better or they'll try and give me advice and sometimes all I want to do is go for beat sake speaking <laughs> be <laughs> technology it's just yeah. not, you know I just want to rant a little bit or yeah. I want to just say like I feel really crap today yeah I just want to feel crap I just want to you know have a, a day where I can just be a bit rubbish and mm-hmm. and not have to be oh come on you can do it you can yeah. do it exactly. you know yeah yeah so I think it's so important to have that space as well where we can just be listened to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, still- yeah so that's kind of my new um direction as well and yeah. um,
1: now oh it sounds great what, you, what you're doing
0: I'd love to yeah
1: I think yeah. it's really important that that you know as I would say we, we, well we've said that you know we wish we'd had had maybe a slightly different experience earlier on you know that it would be great if we could get to a point where people are being diagnosed and they're immediately being able to access something Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: there's so many of us now in the community who are doing such Mm -hmm. amazing who are actually saying well actually maybe I could offer this Mm -hmm. and we can all offer something we all have it skill we all have something that we can bring to the table that will help everybody else because we're not all at the same point like we said acceptance advocacy it's all a journey and everybody's at different points you know you've got you've got young girls you've got young boys who are who are growing up and and trying to navigate a world that is much more complicated than we have. we even did, you know, <laughs> 25, 30 years ago. It's like mm.
0: crazy now. And I wouldn't even I know, at least we didn't have social media.
1: Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would definitely wouldn't. But there's mm. still the, still the same needs exist. And because we're all different, we all need something different. So mm. you know, some people may need that you know the one-to-one coaching that I do mm-hmm. in terms of supporting people to kind of get on their way some people then say oh well i you know I'll go and see Nina because she's got this yoga retreat she's doing she's doing this mm-hmm. uh, holistic work um and it all it all works together oh
0: yeah definitely it all like,
1: together to help us there's all there's
0: not just one path is there? there's no. not just one um route to 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 And it never ends as well. Like once you're on that journey, it never ends. It's not like, oh, you'll do this one thing and that's it, you fixed. Exactly. Um, it definitely never ends.
1: And being part of different things as well is really is really important. Part of one, part of one thing, you know, you can be part of like, you can be part of like the huge big organizations, the national organizations, but also the smaller, smaller things as well, where you can build deep friendships because you know like the social media thing is is one thing and there's a lot of us in the community on social media you know on instagram and things like that but it can get really loud over there <laughs> it gets yeah. really loud it's really very noisy and you know you're not just like yeah, definitely it's hard to it's really difficult to, I hope you've enjoyed this episode to build of the podcast and that Tacti's Story that has sort of provided you effort, with at least you know, some of the inspiration and determination like, yeah, you need on, you know, to get started and, or and keep going. And have, you know, you can end. join the Facebook group where it's, it's, we'll be talking really about those our takeaways from today's episode. I think You'll find can, a link like like in the show notes. Like on Facebook if you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe and make sure that you are notified. You know, there when there is that new regular kind of, of contact. You are of stuff out there. And also, please share do, with a friend. And yeah, if you'd be so there. kind as to leave a review, that a that this we do would work really to help build others those, find the show's deep relationship until next week yeah, remember as well that your vip status stretches far beyond um, simply being known to, as a visually impaired you know, person.
0: You know, volunteer you
1: are um, a very important person who holds a very important place in they, the world you
0: know, and you with have a very important purpose to, to fulfill. try and create awareness for sight loss and um that's been a really good experience i've been with them for a year and um, mm. now different projects yeah. um yes and then also a volunteer with Esme's Umbrella and you know that's this is another passion really of mine since losing my sight um a bit of a life's mission in a way because I was prepared for sight loss you know being visually impaired all my life I knew that maybe one day it might be inevitable Mm -hmm. you know with the condition I had with the up and down of the sight there was always a risk that the next corneal graph wouldn't work and it could damage the eye so much that I wouldn't be able to keep continuing with surgery and I'd lose the sight or I mean who did who'd ever expected two separate accidents but um you know inevitably you know sight loss was always you know there um or potentially there and that and, and adapting to the different levels in sight as well. So, one mm. month I could have had better vision, then the next month it might have been blurry. So, having to adapt and change. And um, so, I became a bit like a chameleon in that way. So, yeah. when I lost the sight completely, adapting to that, yeah, it was difficult. Um, I think it was more the emotional side of the sight loss, you know, not being able to see my son's face again yeah. and them kind of things. They were harder to deal with than the having to use a liquid level indicator, or you know, you chopping your food in a certain way. Because all of that I was doing because mm-hmm. of the, the visual impairment, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, ad- ad- adapting to that was, you know, it, I'm not going to say it was easy, but it, but you know, it was it was okay. But the Charles Bonnet syndrome, it completely just knocked me off my feet. Yeah. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea it existed. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody told me about it. You know, we were talking about um, being prepared, you know, with advocacy and, and lesson and things like that. Did anyone help you to be aware of your sight loss and things? Yeah. No, no one ever thought, like, I didn't even know Charles Bonnet was a thing. Yeah. Like it, it was never spoke about and, mm-hmm. um, when I came around from the surgery and I was just seeing colours, I was like, mum, they've saved my some of my sight. They've saved some of my sight. I can see colours. Obviously, I didn't know that this thing existed, so I just thought I could see colours. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the doctor came and I, I swear to God, I'll never forget these, these words. He said to me, I can reassure you we've not saved your sight. It's just your mind playing tricks on you. <laughs> I was like, okay, great, thanks. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> um so I, you know, I do, I just thought then I were going a bit potty, you know. Maybe I, maybe I'm, a, you know, um, I, maybe it's my mind. Maybe it's just the stress of losing my sight and everything. So I left it, and I left it for about five weeks. And in those five weeks, the hallucinations, which Charles Bonnet syndrome causes, silent hallucinations, and mm-hmm. um, they started to develop, and they they um. So the red and blue then became more colours, yellows, greens, all, all different colours. They started forming shapes Then the shapes turned into faces um, and then animals would appear and scenery. And um, it was kind of like a 20, well, however, 18 hour projection. So the mm-hmm. amount of time that I was awake. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point of five weeks where I was getting really scared I hadn't told anybody that this was happening because yeah. I was so scared that they were going to say oh she's having a nervous breakdown it's you know she's 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 cracking up because of the sight loss you know she can't handle it she's, um so I was really worried and I didn't tell anyone but it got to the point where I was just sat on the sofa and really really scared so I thought I have to speak here I have mm-hmm. to tell someone um so I did. I told my mum and my husband, and um, they were a bit taken aback because obviously, you know, just, I've been sat here for, for weeks seeing zombie faces and uh, devil dogs and things like that. And I was, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we researched it, and not much came up on the internet. And then we came across Judith Potts at SMA's Umbrella. And um, yeah, I emailed her, and she emailed me back and said, Do you have Charles Bonnet Syndrome? And that was the first time that it was given a name Mm. and um, I felt some relief, you know, wow, at least it's got a name, Um, but what is it still? So she invited me to her patient support day where the sole global specialist, Mm. Professor Dominic Fitch was there and he explained the science behind it and that it's the visual cortex. And once the messages from the optic nerve are severed, um, the visual cortex continues working, so that continues doing its job. And because it hasn't got anywhere to relay the messages through, it just mm. kind of makes it up and just projects it. And um, For people who um still have usable vision and have CBS um, it just kind of fills in the blank so it can affect anybody who loses over 60% of sight and that can be through any kind of condition, genetic condition. It can be through trauma, it can be through age related conditions. Um, it can affect any age as well. Children have it. Um, and so if some people might have usable sight, they might be sat on the sofa and all of a sudden birds might sit on the sofa or a snake might sliver on the floor or, uh, flowers might grow up the wall. Um, you know, there are lots of different things that people experience. Some are the same, some are different. Um, through the work that I've been doing with Esme's Umbrella the last three years, or well, two two years, you know, I've heard lots of different things. Um, and it can be quite scary for people as well. and and it is important that we that we know, isn't it? Because
1: yeah, like you say, it's it's rare, and no one's no one it's, really.
0: It's not. It's not rare, you know. It's not. It's um no. It yeah. so it affects over half the people in the UK that have sight loss. So it affects over a million people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what it is is people are are, are scared to come forward and talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because obviously that misconception that it might be a mental health problem yes um you know when it really isn't if you have the sight loss and you're experiencing things that are not there mm-hmm. then it is most likely mm-hmm. Charles Bonnet syndrome um and it, it's just like you say that awareness it's been around 300 years the condition but yeah. it's only in the last five or six years that it's really starting to to get into the public um yeah
1: I think it yeah, was really. one of the one of the major TV shows, wasn't it, in, in the UK? Was shown yeah, shown- Coronation
0: so- Street. Street. Yeah, yeah. I, I um I helped Richard Hawley, the actor, with the uh-huh. the, the research for that role. Yeah, um, you know we had conversations about the experience of CBS and yeah, um, yeah. it's mm-hmm. really sorry, Bambi. I'm just going to interrupt for a second. My son is trying to get my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Problem. Sorry. Yes, Dylan. Not till this evening, five o'clock. Mm. Okay. And you know it's like fifty-nine miles hour, So Okay, thank you for letting me know. Sorry about that. <laughs> right, we we can we can stop that.
1: So it's been, I mean, it's been amazing to talk to you and like you know learn so much. And I'm sure there's so much that people can take from from what we've spoken about. You know, the around mm. the around the acceptance, the the, the whole, you know description that you gave around child's body syndrome and and the way in which it's, it's affected you but also the way in which that you have you've not seen not used your sight loss as a, as a way of not doing anything you know and not going forward and, and and trying to achieve different things. you know maybe the things that you did before you can't do anymore but you just you've started to kind of find those find a new path and a new direction um, all wanting you know, with everything that you wanted to do, wanting to support people with with a visual impairment. So I think it's it's great what you're doing. And obviously we'll link everything in the show notes so people can find out more about Esme's Umbrella, find out more about the work that you do. Um, Maybe you'll have some more Clients to your yep. <laughs> to your <laughs> garden treatment you uh, room. room. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be really good. You know,
0: never never know. I
1: just travel down from Durham to Manchester and come and <laughs> come and get my myself a treatment. That would be, be more be than nice. welcome. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be nice. So just before we go, um, I always ask my guests to give like just a piece of advice to any woman especially living with sight loss, what would your what would your one piece of advice be?
0: I think knowing that you're not alone in in your journey, knowing that there is help and support out there for you. And honestly, trying to 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 accept who you are and you know what accept that you have this disability and that it's not the end of the world there is so much out there for you and you can achieve anything that you want to and that support is there and do it now before you get old like me (laughs)
1: Oh, like both <laughs> of us
0: <laughs> We're so old. yeah <laughs> um, yeah,
1: that's good. that's really good and is there a is there a book or a film or something that you have come into contact with that's provided you with a lot of inspiration that you could share with us?
0: So the first audio book that I listened to um after losing the site, and again, that was another challenge that i um had to face and overcome because when I was visually impaired, my sister always tried me to get to listen to audio books. I was like, no, as long as I can see, I'm going to read.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but now I love them. I couldn't live without them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that first audio book that I listened to, which really helped move me forward and, you know, encouraged me to have that strength to accept the next step and the next step. And, um, it's called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero yes
1: I've read that one yeah oh, it was so that good
0: one? and she narrates it as well yeah. and she's uh-huh. so funny and lovely yes. like her voice yeah.
1: yeah yeah that is really that is really good yeah I've got some other the others because she's got a series hasn't she I've got all yeah. of those to, to listen to but yeah she's great she's she's yeah. really that that is a good that's a good choice
0: yeah. well thank
1: you so much again Nina for uh-huh. for being with us today and we will. We're, we're in contact, aren't we? So I guess, yeah. um, we'll, we will be speaking. Yeah. Soon, but I'm. I really hope that everyone's everyone's enjoyed this this episode, and that um yeah. Thank you for
0: having me. Yeah. No,
1: that's not a problem. Not a problem. You take care.
0: Take care.
1: I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and that what Nina has shared with us has resonated with you in some way, and has also encouraged you to think about what is possible for you. You can find out how to connect with Nina by using the links in the show notes of this episode. Make sure that if you haven't done so already, that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so that you are notified when new episodes are released. And it would be really great if you would leave a review as this would help others find the show. To find out more about how to become involved in the She Is A VIP community and about one-to-one coaching, head over to sheisavip.com. Until next week, remember that your VIP status means more than simply being known as a visually impaired person. Remember that you are a very important person who holds a very important place in the world and that you have a very important purpose to fulfil.